0: the color of social work podcast a space created to guide young african-american professionals through the broad and growing field of social work this audio series was created for every young black person in the helping profession aspiring to make the world a better place chat with me as we make the field a little more colorful i'm your host nana k and you're listening to the color of social work podcast Hello and welcome to another episode of The Color of Social Work. This is your host, Nana Kay, and today I have a special guest. I will be talking to Narissa Arps, and she is an alumni of Prairie View AM University. She is working in the field as a geriatric social worker. So if you're excited to hear this conversation, stay tuned. Hey Narissa, I'm so excited that you decided to join us today. Would you introduce yourself to our listeners, please?
1: Yes. Hey, you guys. My name is Narissa Arts. I have my uh, BSW. I'm actually in school right now to get my MSW at the University of Denver. I'm 24 years old, all the way from McKinney, Texas. Um, I graduated um, August of 2014 from the Prairie View A&M University, and I currently work in the geriatric field
0: great i'm so excited because actually i just recently dropped episode two and in episode two i talked about how i got intimidated by my young age and you know how basically me wanting to work with youth stemmed from me being afraid to work working with people older than me so you work with people people significantly older than you so i'm really excited about this (laughs) so how did you um identify what population you wanted to work with
1: So, um, okay, so, you know, when we are in undergrad and we had to get ready to decide on what we wanted to do for our internship, Mm -hmm. I, um, I knew I wanted to work in the hospital or some sort of hospital setting, but at the time, there wasn't any options, and so the closest thing that I could get to a hospital setting was a rehabilitation center, and so I did that for... Um, all of my internship hours, and I really grew to to love the atmosphere. I loved the the patients and seeing them, and I actually was able to form some really good relationships with um, some of the residents at the time.
0: Okay, so um, is that the place that you're employed now? The same, your same uh, internship?
1: No, ma'am. So, um, after I completed my hours, I did move back home uh, towards Dallas, Texas. And I got a job at kind of the same sort of facility, except it's more of short term. And um, our residents typically are there between 7 to 21 days, and then they're usually gone. So, um, they do not stay there for long term. They're there to get re. Rehabilitated and then they transition out to, you know, whichever services they
0: need at that time. Oh, gotcha. So uh, you did say that you're in school for your MSW, correct? Mm hmm. Okay, so I, I don't know if you started the field yet, but um, are you looking to do your field internship at another, you know, geriatric population place or what?
1: yes and okay so this is a funny story
0: so um back
1: when we were in undergrad right Mm -hmm. and we were getting our um intern hours i was um interning for my director and one of the vendors one of the marketers came by and um i actually became really acquainted with him and he told me you know hey uh next time you come out here um if you're still you know in the area and you're gonna do your msw hours contact me but you know i moved back home to the dallas area so whenever um i told my um placement specialist that i'm gonna be moving to houston texas she actually located that same exact guy um and now i'm gonna be interning underneath him um yes
0: oh see it's all about networking (laughs) yeah like that is so weird and when she told me
1: who it was i was like that guy sounds so familiar i just don't know like from where and then i forgot that i still had my uh journal from our internship Uh you know and i had his card in there and it was like for msw hours
0: Wow see I love that I I feel like all social workers help other social workers and I feel like that's what like the basis of me making this podcast was for and I just love how it's like you know you didn't even you moved and everything and you still able to you know connect with those people right yeah so okay now I know so far I've faced a lot of challenges I just want to hear any stories of any challenges you faced, any you know crazy times, any times where you just had enough, maybe you wanted to quit social work, anything you got for me I want to hear.
1: Girl, so um, I'm actually the youngest um, person mm-hmm. on, on my team at my job. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, everybody is, like, 35, 36 and up. Mm-hmm. And so um, sometimes it in the beginning, it was a little intimidating because I have kind of felt like I had to be so formal with everybody while right. everybody got to be informal with each other. But then over time, you know, that kind of, you know, died down. But where I still see a problem is that I feel like they don't um, see me as part of the administrative staff. Like, um, it's, it's kind of like they don't, I I don't feel like they recognize me in that sense. Um, So sometimes they may not purposely send me the emails for certain things. Or, um, oh, I forgot to include you in that. Or they know I do a certain thing, but they won't send it to me. They'll send it to, like, uh, the other social worker or, like, the supervisor. You know?
0: That's interesting. Just,
1: like, little petty things like that.
0: Wow, okay. So okay, so are you in the office or are you remote? I'm in the office. You're yeah. in the office.
1: So okay. we are still going in. We are uh, still accepting patients
0: mm-hmm. at this time. That's that's crazy that you told me that. Okay. Question. Are the people that you work with what are their ethnicity? Like what's what is you know?
1: <laughs> okay, so um that is it's crazy because so we we're very diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the administrator, he is um, of Indian descent. Um, his wife also works there. She is a therapist. Um, majority of the the staff they are African descent mm-hmm. from different, you know, different places. Mm-hmm. And then there is a couple of you know Black Americans, mm-hmm. and there are a couple. A few whites, but the few whites that are there have been there for a while. So that's sometimes where a lot of the issues come from, mm-hmm. is the people that have been there for a while don't, you know, they don't like certain changes. They don't want certain changes or they they don't do certain things because they don't feel like they have to because they've been there for so long. So.
0: Okay. Um, I remember I saw your tweet. Um, you had said, Oh, I love geriatric. I didn't know that I was going to uh love this field or like what's like a like a heartwarming moment that you've had like at work?
1: Oh man. Um okay, so um there was there was this um uh, moment where we had this patient that um And, you know, I'll just throw this out there for the ones that, um, aren't, that don't desire to get married or don't desire to have kids. This is like one of those instances. So this lady was not married. She didn't have any kids. And, um she needed help like she needed a lot of help she needed some assistance um she was at this home this group home off in the middle of nowhere and you know once you know corona took over they stopped allowing visitors so the few people that she did have coming to visit her and that were helping her they were no longer able to you know
0: right
1: and so um we We kind of fought really hard with the insurance to try to keep her in the facility for as long as we could. And then it got to a point where they were like, well, no, she needs to go or, you know, she's going to have to start paying. Mm -hmm. And the price for our facility, I think it's like 500 something a day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not even including if you get therapy. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy. So, of course, we had to arrange, but you know me and the supervisor we kind of felt you know really not necessarily felt bad but we just felt like she needs she needs some help so we decided to go half on some groceries and we asked her you know what are some of the things that she likes what kind of brands does she you know she eat and we got her those groceries and I don't say that in a sense of um you know, trying to be like proud or of boisterous, course. but just like that's what social work is. Right. And and even though we did it, we did it um, the right way, you know. Right. Because um, sometimes some people they, you know, being in the field, some people can abuse, you know, certain people's
0: vulnerability. Yeah. And um, you know, and really take advantage of them, but you know. Right okay well that that was definitely a heartwarming story (laughs) um i couldn't imagine how she felt and like you know even of course like you know you did a good thing and stuff like that but you never know like how that may have like impacted her she'll probably never forget (laughs) so okay so what's something that you wish you knew about social work before pursuing it because look i have a couple friends that I graduated <laughs> with, that they they are no longer social workers. They said fuck social oh work. My God, and... Are you serious? Yep. yep. We
1: graduated together, so Did, look, no, we didn't. Hat.
0: No, I graduated after you. Oh, you
1: were twenty nineteen. You were twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Dang! Oh wow! I thought you were with me. Okay, but you, we were in the same
0: little area yeah just like a few classes
1: (laughs) yeah wow that's crazy no man i to be honest it's like i actually have studied a lot about social work i think for me whenever i finally got into the field i would never be prepared
0: (laughs) yeah It's, it's
1: kind of like one of those you know, we, we learn all these different techniques and all these different um, things to uh, make sure we have control over certain situations mm-hmm. and, you know, stay professional, but every situation is presented so different. Every person that you're encountering as a social worker is different, and it's, it's it's a blessing and it's crazy all wrapped into one because mm. you never know what you're gonna get
0: exactly okay,
1: so you have to have a level head yeah And you have to be able to learn to turn the switch off
0: <laughs> yeah and i'm still working on that one too
1: yes because it will it will be draining yeah it's, it is it will be if you let it because there there was a point in you know, in time at my job, we were full and we have like a 90 bed facility. I think mm-hmm. it's 90 or 95 or something. And we were full um, pre COVID. And it was, and we were down a social worker, usually it's three. We were down a social worker. She was out on maternity leave. Wow. So it was us two. Um, And I did not mention, I am not licensed, so I just have my BSW. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I am limited in what I can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. So, some of the help that she actually needed actually requires the LBSW and up. Got you. Yeah. Um, Quick
0: question. Do you regret not getting lbsw because i mean i feel like it, i knew i was going to grad school before i even graduated from prairie view so i was like i mean i don't really need this license but a lot of jobs that they want you to have lbsw you know and i'm like is this 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 licensure sure even <laughs> you know <laughs> if i'm about Girl, to get- <laughs> let me
1: let me be real with you um go get your lbsw now um while you're in school that is the one thing and i'm i'm gonna be so serious that's the own that is the one thing that i regret not doing because um a lot of jobs um even and you know um one of my professors i can't think of his name right now um I think it was Dr. Colvin, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Colvin, he used to tell me, because I would talk to him all the time, he would always say, if you don't do anything, get your license, and girl, that is so serious, because um, uh, I've networked with a lot of different um, social workers and physicians mm-hmm. and nurses, all sorts of things, and a lot of these social workers in these high positions, they're just LBSWs, and um, a lot of them will even say, you know, I didn't feel the need to go back to get my
0: master's. Because they had their license for back. For yeah,
1: but, of course, you know, it is always great to go and get your master's, you know, of course, for um, income, right. purposes, or stature, whatever your reason is, but an LBSW mm-hmm. is is really good, and I actually was planning to um, pursue my LBSW, but then I got so caught up with work at the time, and Mm -hmm. then I started with my master's, so I had kind of placed it on hold, but I'm planning to get back in to get mine, at least for right now, because I'm not going to be done with my MSW until, like, a couple Several more months,
0: so so okay. Because I graduate with my MSW in May. When is when do you graduate?
1: Oh, I just got started, I don't um graduate with mine until next, not next March, but the March after, after so 22
0: okay 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 see for me i feel like i if i was gonna get it i should have been got it (laughs) but it's crazy because i've actually got passed up on a job because i didn't have a lbsw and i I was like really like this the bachelor license is that important but i guess i guess it is
1: i guess it is it is in social workers um i was on the website there's so many different licenses and certificates you can mm-hmm. get um, you can practically get a license or certificate and so much that's why i see why some people don't go and get their masters but for me i felt like um for what i'm trying to get to because ultimately i do want to be an lmsw have mm-hmm. kind thinking about if I want to actually go into the clinical side of it but um
0: girl I don't know (laughs) let me tell you okay so my track at U of H is clinical my first semester I was like no I think I want to change to um macro I talked to advisors I talked to professors and they were like well you can still do macro work with a clinical, with like with your track being clinical you know it doesn't have to you don't have to have a macro track and to do macro whatever they so they convinced me to stay clinical because they were like if you you know if you eventually still want to do clinical you can you know go ahead and get your clinical license because your track was clinical So I, you know, I stayed, you know, my track is still clinical or whatever, but I feel like I'm really leaning more towards macro work. And that's crazy to me. I really thought, you know, (laughs) I really thought I was super clinical and stuff. But after like I had, I think I had like two macro electives and I was like, yeah, I think this is what, this is what it is. But you know, we'll see. Cause I'm not sure if I'm going to go ahead and get the clinical license or not. Only reason why I would get a clinical license is maybe if I have the inspiration to create my own practice or something that's the only reason why
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I thought about that too girl it's a lot and it's so much to do in social work that's another reason why I love it so', mm-hmm. so it's, it's so um so broad um and anything that you can think of um, a social worker nine times out of ten is involved or either right. can be so right if there's position they can create a position you know you never know uh, because social workers are always needed um even though we don't get the credit we're deserved we are
0: needed Oh, don't get me started on that do not get me started on that uh girl so i'm in my field right now actually so i'm a um, high school counselor intern um at this at this charter school huh
1: and I was just
0: saying, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of weird right now because COVID, everything's virtual. I haven't even been up to the actual school. <laughs> but yeah. But anyways, I remember um my field supervisor, um, she well, I had to. She had she actually left the job, but the first one I started out with, um, she was, you know, telling us how she was kind of on edge about doing field. Uh, for U of H social work students and she really just wanted to do field for um, like the counseling students the ones that want to be um, LPCs and she was like I didn't think that social workers learned as much as you know the counseling students did and you know but after I went through you guys' competencies and saw what you guys actually do I felt more comfortable being a, a field supervisor and that's crazy I feel like people yeah, wow. people limit social workers to child protective services and I didn't like yeah i did not realize like people really don't know what social workers do or can do like they don't really know like know the power that social workers have even when girl i when i was an undergrad i was working at a daycare and my supervisor there um i told her that i was um a social work major and she was like oh why did you pick that you're not gonna get paid very well and i was just shocked because i'm like well you're a supervisor at a daycare and you don't get paid very well either like you know and so and it was and it wasn't just that like you know my parents uh my dad specifically when I went to Prairie View, girl he wanted me to do nursing yeah you're gonna do nursing but you know clearly I changed but when I told him social work you know he was like you know they don't really really do that much you know that right you're gonna be limited and it wasn't until my sister no it wasn't until my aunt passed away and he was at the hospital. And when he passed away, he was working with the social worker and he didn't know. He thought, you know, she was a nurse or something. So he asked her credentials and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm a social worker. He said, "Really? I think my daughter's in school for that. So I remember he called me and he told me your aunt just passed away but guess what (laughs) it was a social worker at the hospital i didn't know social workers work at hospitals and my dad is my dad is 69 years old and he did not know that and he really thought that literally that's all they do is take people kids away that's it so we got to change the narrative i like i really feel like we need to like this generation of social workers need to change it like the face of social work needs to change like the jobs of social work need to change the pay the pay is changing though the pay is changing so we're getting there but the whole narrative of social workers don't make money needs to stop the whole narrative of social workers aren't in it for the money because that i feel like that needs to stop too i'm not saying like i'm in it solely for the money but I'm in it for like the income and the outcome (laughs) you know what I'm saying it's not just like of course I want to make money from something I love doing too and I hate when people say like you know uh, social workers are never in it for the money like I hate that I want to change that so bad cause you know you don't tell you don't say that about like doctors like you know and if we say that we are in it for the money it sounds bad like you know a doctor makes a lot of money but he of course would love what he does right you see what I'm saying like it it, (sighs) girl it's like i could go on and on but (laughs) but yeah that's just some of my experiences that i've had with like people just you know limiting social work down to like a box like there's nowhere else that i like we can go you know but um okay so what can you tell like an aspiring social worker maybe like somebody that's in college right now or maybe somebody that's about to go to college um that wants to eventually do like similar work to you like what would you tell them
1: um, specifically to um, my field, the geriatric field, I would definitely say um, make sure that, um, that this is something that you actually want to do um, because this is a very, um, I would say, more emotional um, style of social work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is very, um, it can get very um tense at times because you are dealing with people's um parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're you're dealing with um the parents, the daughter, the son, the nephew, the niece, whatever. But nine times out of ten, um, in this video you are specifically probably dealing with the older, you know, the grandparents. And that is something that is very um emotional. It, you're having difficult conversations. So um learning how to um, respond and not react in certain um, situations is key and you know that just happens over time I I mean I'm still learning um, things are constantly thrown our way every day everything is um, and it's It's so many because it's based off of how many people are in your facility. You know, you may work at a facility that only has 35 patients or that only house 15. But for us, we're 90. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, and of course, our census is lower right now because of, you know, COVID. But just even 53 or 55 that's still a lot because everybody wants something everybody needs something every family someone's complaining about something or someone has an issue so it's always something going on so you definitely will um have to be prepared um for well you can never be prepared for chaos but definitely just have an understanding of um at the end of the day your focus is helping these people
0: right. you know
1: because right now they this is a hard time some conversations are going to be hard but your job isn't to necessarily be there um as a shoulder to cry on but as their but as a resource and a guide to get them through the hard time you know
0: yeah so I I'm is- I remember, um, when my dad used to try to push me to be a nurse or whatever, I always used to think like, oh my gosh, I cannot be responsible for somebody's life. And as a social worker, I still feel responsible for mm-hmm. somebody's life.
1: <laughs> and it's like, in a way you are. And and that's how um, powerful social workers mm-hmm. are. Because think about it. Okay. In my field, the social worker's job is we do referrals. Mm-hmm. We Discharge planning: how the how the patients get home, how they, um, who's going to be at home setting up services for them, um, you know, for when they get home, right. um, making sure those those services are good. But imagine if I I don't do my research, I'm not networking, and I start referring patients to these bad places, right. you know, or these bad businesses, and then something goes wrong and they get hurt
0: right
1: the first person is who told you to go there
0: right definitely so
1: that's how powerful social workers can be in certain instances and that varies by you know case by case basis and from career to career
0: yeah definitely and it so i work with teens at a mental health facility and so i'm a mental health technician um I'm not, um, uh, I don't do like, you know, paperwork like you I don't do all their discharge playing and stuff. I work like, you know, hands on with them. So what I've been learning, um, cause the patients there have, or not, I don't want to say patients, clients there, you know, they, they have different type of men- mental health disorders. Most of them is substance abuse and some of them self harm, you know, suicide ideations or whatever. And what I have learned with working with them is like, just when they say that something's wrong with them or when they say that they don't feel comfortable about something, maybe sometimes it's over-exaggerated, but I learned just to take everything seriously. Just handle it as if it was maybe your own child or your own sister or, you know what I'm saying, or brother or your own family member. Um Because I did come to realize like, dang, this, this person's life is literally in my hands. Like, and sometimes, you know, you get stressed out sometimes, um, dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. But like, I think it's, think it's just like a refresher knowing that, you know, somebody's parent trusted me to care for their child. somebody, the CEO of the um, center, you know, trusted me to care for the children of the, this place that he created. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so right. I think that's like a refreshing thing for me, girl. Cause I, I, I have this one client that tells me that she's homicidal almost every day or that, oh. <laughs> or that she feels like she's about to run away or that um, she's about to have a, a panic attack, a flashback and stuff like that. And, my supervisors would tell me like, you know, you better be careful with her because, you know, she, she kind of likes attention, but, you know, you got to take it seriously and stuff. You kind of, you kind of get you know, like okay, so you know how to deal with her, like you know. So you're just like, okay, look, here we go again, or whatever. I started, <laughs> I started like creating like little coping skills for her to do. Like I'm like, okay, let's let's stretch, and I'll stretch with her and stuff like that. And I'm like, do you feel? Do you still feel homicidal? She's like, a little bit. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, you know. So wow. <laughs> so yeah. But anyways, I feel like it's like the little things like that that you know, it's like a refresher for me, you know, just to like not get so irritated with the same things over and over again but um okay this is my last question
1: okay because so I have a question for you oh um, you do yes so because I know that that population you work with that is the one population that I know um that I do not believe that I can go into okay. I've kind of de- going into the field of social work, dealing with children and mental health is just not a place that I think I can deal with right now. So, I I necessarily don't try to avoid it, but I do not go seeking um, certain careers in that uh, field. So, I want to ask you, how are you able to turn your emotions on and off and how are you able to um, trying to navigate, you know, your, your work world, and then your, you know, like, your personal work.
0: Wow, okay, so I'm still having trouble turning my emotions on and off, (laughs) um, huh? I said, I can
1: see that, because I can
0: only imagine. Yeah, um, like okay so for instance we'll we'll be doing the phone calls for the girls and like they'll call their parents or um mainly mainly all the girls mainly have parents it's a few that's in state custody but most of them are sent there by their parents so they'll talk to their parents they'll they'll be on the phone and their parent is like literally tired of like especially uh my substance abuse girls their their parents are so tired of like you know them going from place to place or them saying oh yeah I'm doing really really good so their parents are just over it. they're like you know what this is your last chance if you you know do this again I'm gonna cut you off the girl starts crying and you know she can't go to bed and it's 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 so hard and I had I have one client that witnessed her mom after her mom killed herself and then had to yeah had to be sent with her dad who abused her so she started doing drugs and then she you know eventually was sent to the you know to the facility or whatever and so she's telling me this story I'm like dang like I cannot imagine at 14 years old like you know it's a lot and it's like I'm with the girls all the time so it's like whenever they feel like they just need to talk they'll just come talk to me and (laughs) they all the time I don't know if it's because like um, the the youngest staff like you said you're the youngest one I'm the youngest one too and so I don't know it's because I'm the youngest staff member there and they just feel more comfortable like I would like understand them or whatever but it's like they like they come to me with a lot of stuff like one girl told me the reason why she came is because she overdosed on on a, off of a benadryl and yeah after telling me all her her whole life you know situation and story and stuff like that i felt really really bad like here i am you know taking benadryl to go to bed and this little baby just overdosed on on benadryl you know what i'm saying Yeah. and it's really hard for me to turn my emotions off but i said this in the first episode um people will always say like oh you can't be emotional in this field but i feel like you need to be emotional in this field because if you're just heartless it's not gonna work out for you And that's why we
1: have to be empathetic. Yeah. Uh, Not so much as because you're not, we're not going to relate to every situation that we encounter. We encounter so many. Mm -hmm. But being able to um, not necessarily feel a person's pain, but being able to relate to the loss of something that was near and dear to someone or relating to someone, um, you know going through something, you know, really tough for them or whatever. It's just like being able to have a heart and it really shouldn't be hard for us to just be nice. Um, Yeah. We shouldn't have a whole field dedicated to just being nice to people, but it's it's crazy that, you know, it's like that, but this is how it is.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I think, okay, maybe I kind of could turn off my emotions at work by just having like light-hearted moments with the girls and like you know all the clients and stuff like that like um the other day um we were playing music and that go in the go crazy song by chris brown came on and stuff and she started doing the uh you know the little tiktok dance and so i was like girl you know i could do it better than you and so she was just like no and i'm like yep so i just started a girl i started doing the tiktok dance right you know with her and stuff and then you know this client that i'm dancing with right now could have you know a panic attack or flashback later or you know she might try to a wall or something like that so like like moments like that kind of alleviate all the rest of the stress so i guess that's that i hope that answers your question <laughs> But basically, I'm still. But I'm still working on it. It's it's a work in progress, especially working with you know, in the mental health field, girls. It's a yes. lot. It's a Ooh. lot. It's a lot. But um, if you don't have any more questions, I think that is all. Thank you so much. Um, I wish you wow. luck. Um, and you know, completing grad school and at your job and during COVID and. You know, um, you're doing a great work. And I, like you said, you can't deal with the mental health, especially, you know, with teens and all that stuff. I don't think I could ever work with old, like the older population. I don't think. Why? I,
1: Why? I, I love them, girl. <laughs> they, they're funny. They're smart. And they, it's, it's really interesting, especially like to hear their stories. And sometimes we even get couples and you want to know something, um, uh, I've had um, patients up to the age of 103. Wow. I've had a married couple that they have been married, or they are still married as of, I mean, unless one passed away. From the last time I met them, they have been married for 78 years. Wow. Yeah, girl. So it's, it's interesting to hear these stories. So,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So this is the, this coming from a very, very ignorant place because I know nothing about geriatrics. And I also do not deal, you know, with like death well. So I would <laughs> I would just hate for me to be working with a client and then, you know, of course, any one of my clients can die too. But, you know, your population, you know, they're older and, you know, and I'm pretty sure they're on medication and stuff like that or, or whatever service that you're giving to them uh, for whatever reason um something might happen to them and you you know you're unable to give them the service or maybe something um you know something that you didn't know about and that you wish you knew about um you know maybe like affected them in some type of way and like had a part to play in their death and like girl I just I'll just be thinking too much and that's what <laughs> that's what happens when I think too much. Wow that's that's the reason why I'm like yo I cannot I wouldn't be able to deal with that I would not be able to deal with that like you said you're working with people's parents grandparents you know mm-hmm. I I I just
1: but the thing is is that um so as social workers working in this field we're not necessarily I mean of course we're working with the patient and their family um but we're also working with the nurses and the therapists right. and. Physicians, and um, we rarely necessarily even have to see the patient's face to face all the time.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: because we're pretty much doing the back end. So once the okay. patient is admitted, the discharge planning begins. We need to know where's the patient going, who is his family, who are they staying with? Does the home have stairs? Did you know? Is right. his house? for a wheelchair or a walker. Does he own a wheelchair or a walker? How is he gonna get one? Does he have any income? What is his, you know, all of that. And then people's baselines change. You know, we learned that people's baselines change. You may have came in here, being able to walk a certain amount of feet and being able to um, put your own clothes, um, on and take your own shoppers and then something might happen yeah where now you have a broken foot now everything is different and you have a, you have stairs at home you know so everything right. it's every every day is different even down to the how are you going to get home transportation home is a big one and we see that a lot
0: mm-hmm wow well you're doing a really good thing a really beautiful thing and i hope you inspire somebody listening to this to explore the geriatric field
1: yes y'all seriously we need we need geriatric social workers we really do
0: um do you want to like plug anything like i don't know if you want to plug your social media or anywhere people can find you if they they have any questions
1: well, you know, you can find me on Instagram, it's Queen, and Queen is with two N's, underscore Rissa, R-I-S-S-A, and um, I am on Twitter, if you want to follow me on there, and I'll just be talking about some random stuff, you guys. <laughs> Uh, But I do love talking about all things social work related, and I'm planning to get um, a page for social work once I get all my credentials and stuff, girl. But um, that's my name, Narissa, N-A-R-R-I-S-S-A-A, and thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, girl.
0: Oh, no problem. You were actually the first person I thought about having a guest, too. But... (laughs) but yeah um, yeah, thanks to you too and you have a good night girl All right,
1: peace out y'all love you
0: and that concludes our interview with Miss Narissa Arps I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did it was good catching up with you know fellow PB alumni Um, you know be sure to follow our page at the color of social work you can follow me Nana K at NANA K-W-A-Y-I-E on Instagram. Same thing on Twitter. Um, feel free to contact me if you need anything. If you have any additional questions or you want to connect with our um guest that we just spoke to, one social worker at a time. We will make the world a little more colorful. Until next week, you guys. Bye.